Welcome to This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. This is the podcast edition of this week's show. If you would like to watch the video of this week's show, head over to our website at twilighttv.org. To learn more about all the stories you hear in this episode, you can visit that same website, and we hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hello, I'm Kristen Oaks-White. Thank you for joining us for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, the only TV show bringing Louisiana farmers and consumers together every week. My partner, Avery Davidson, will join us a little later in the show. Well, if you haven't noticed, it's hot outside, and I mean really hot. It's also been mostly dry across a lot of Louisiana this summer, which has led to an earlier corn harvest in Louisiana. So early, in fact, the USDA crop progress report for this week does not show any acres of corn being harvested yet. This week, Twilight's Carl Wiggers heads to St. Landry Parish to show us why one Louisiana corn farmer is excited to start harvest early. It may be ahead of schedule, but this is the silver lining to the hot, dry summer Kirk Stelly has watched his corn crop endure. It, it is uh, probably 10, 12 days earlier than we normally start harvesting. While minimal rain in June helped this corn mature early, Stelly says he's excited to get this crop out of the field. We're glad to get it out faster, but because uh, uh, you never know with the weather in the future what's going to happen. That's a reality all farmers know too well, especially those in South Louisiana who are always watching for a storm in the Gulf. Well, that's our biggest fear. And, uh, and uh, that in turn has made us uh, borrow more money and set up green bins to be able to start a little earlier and, and, and get the corn dried out a little faster. You know? so, so we move in most of the beginning corn through those bins. Though it is early, Steli says he sees good yield so far and the quality of the corn is also very good. We're going to have some good spots and some bad spots. And, uh, but the beginning harvest right now, the test wheats are, are running 58 and 59 and that's awesome. And uh, so that, that quality of the corn is great, you know, just some areas the yield is down and hopefully it stays with the good quality and, and the yields. For Steli, that's a relief after a late freeze this spring stunted some of his corn. We did have to replant a few acres of, of, uh, of the early corn, but it wasn't uh, a whole lot of it. Same situation in the coming years, we, we would do it again because if we can get our corn planted earlier and get it off earlier and hopefully avoid hurricanes and, and, and all the other unknowns, we, we, we would do it again. In St. Landry Parish, I'm Carl Wiggers for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. Other farmers have also begun harvesting corn in northeast Louisiana as well. So if you live in an area with cornfields around you, be on the lookout for trucks, tractors, and combines on the road to travel. Accidents can happen quickly, and we want everyone to stay safe this harvest season. Rice harvest is also beginning in the southwestern part of Louisiana. The Louisiana rice industry contributes more than $300 million a year to the state's economy. That's why the annual LSU Ag Center H. Rouse Caffey Rice Research Station field day is so important to the state's farmers. This marked the 109th year for the field day. It's a chance for researchers to share what they've learned about growing better rice with the farmers who will plant the varieties developed here. Louisiana Farm Bureau President Jim Harper spoke to the crowd and congratulated retiring USA Rice President and CEO Betsy Ward for her years of service to the rice industry. Ward said she's proud of her accomplishments, but wishes the rice industry would have unified more under her watch. We're a relatively small agricultural crop and we need to be united in our messaging and in our approach to policy. So I would hope that the thought leaders in the future will figure out a way to kind of get everybody together and working together because it, 
it does cost us. It costs us political capital and it costs us money and time if we if we can't agree and, and we're arguing. Um, so that's really the big thing for me that's left undone. Organizers of the field day also took time to recognize retiring members of the Louisiana Rice Research and Louisiana Rice Promotion Boards. Well, like with corn, the hot, sunny weather has quickly matured rice crops across Louisiana. Combines are starting to roll through fields to harvest what is expected to be a good crop for growers. LSU Ag Center reporter Craig Gotro has the story from southwest Louisiana. Triple-digit temperatures were common across Louisiana the first week of July, causing some concern for rice producers with late-planted rice. Hot nighttime temperatures can cause issues for pollinating rice, leading to unfilled grains. Farmers are also having to irrigate their fields. It's very expensive as far as pumping. We've had to pump a lot on some of this later rice. But again, when we have clear days and, and we're pumping water, then typically we see higher rice yields. Much of the rice in Louisiana was planted early, but cooler weather and overcast days had the crop growing slowly. Higher temperatures in June and July have helped mature the crop. Harvesting early helps farmers who plan to grow a second crop. If we can get our rice cut uh, in July or first part of August, then typically we have potential for an excellent return crop or what some people call second crop. Adam Famoso runs the rice breeding program for the LSU Ag Center. He and his team are working on varieties that farmers and consumers want. One area of focus is specialty aromatic types. Make people aware that we have locally grown um, much more sustainably produced options of jasmine rice grown right here. I think a lot of people don't realize in the United States that we have uh, jasmine varieties that are produced um, locally and sustainably. Work is also being done to recapture markets in Latin America where a less sticky rice is preferred. What the Latin Americans generally want is, is something that's non-sticky. So their, their kind of golden test is they'll cook rice, they'll put it in a little cup, flip it over, and when they take the cup off, they want it all to fall down. Famosa said the variety Addie Joe may be the variety to help meet the needs of Latin Americans. With the LSU Ag Center, this is Craig Gocho reporting. Now, Louisiana has seen its second consecutive year of expanding rice acreage. The 2023 crop is expected to be about 435,000 acres. Well, we just talked about how the heat is affecting crops and livestock, but it's affecting you too. Meteorologists say the National Weather Service will likely continue to issue heat advisories for the next week with the feels-like temperatures around the 110-degree mark. WAFB-TV Chief Meteorologist Jay Grimes has some things to keep in mind for our farmers and ranchers who have no choice but to work outside. Plan on breaks, plan on getting into the shade at the very least, getting in the air conditioning if possible. Keep yourself hydrated. I know we say it all the time, but that is really the most important thing because you don't really recognize how you're getting dried out by that kind of heat until you start getting that lightheadedness. So take care of it at the front end. Hydrate well in the morning so that you get through the day and keep yourself hydrated through the day. And then recognize in your profession, wherever it might be, whether it's agriculture or construction or anything, particularly in those businesses where you're outside all the time. And by the way, this includes all those lawn care people as well. That UPS driver, the postman, all these people are out in the heat all the time. Make sure you take the breaks. Bosses, make sure you give them the time to take the breaks and allow them the opportunity to let that body temperature cool down. And of course, loose, light clothing. It may not be fashionable, but it's certainly the way to go. 
To hear more from Grimes, visit our website at twilighttv.org or check out our social media pages. Well, there's a fast food place in Gramercy, but it doesn't have a drive-through. The fast food farm showcases where each part of what you eat comes from. This week, Trevor Williams takes us to a workshop there where teachers got a quick taste of how they show their students how the food they love is made. I'm here at St. James Parish here at the Fast Food Farm that has been here for 22 years, but it is the first time that teachers have gathered here to learn a little bit more about teaching agriculture. You should never stop learning, and that even goes for teachers. More than 50 educators travel to the Fast Food Farm to learn how to incorporate agriculture into their curriculum. Owner and co-host Denise Email says she is elated to reach more kids through their teachers. For everyone who know me and know about the fast food farm for the last 22 years, know where my passion is. So I can only imagine that they're already feeling, okay, Denny's heart is so full because I'm reaching teachers this time. Teachers from 20 different parishes rotate to different workstations participating in hands-on ag activities. Margaret Buddy, who is co-host and a member of the State Ag in the Classroom Committee, is excited about the turnout of this event. It's just wonderful that we can have so many teachers here to come learn all these things that uh, we have that's available for them. Thinking about like, you know, how important farmers are. Buddy thinks this is an extraordinary opportunity to help mold the next generation. If we have these 50 teachers, if they go back to their classrooms and do three of those lessons, that there will be a lot more learning by their kids of all about agriculture. In 2050, we'll have t almost 10 billion people, and the kids now in the schools will be the ones who are responsible for feeding everybody in 2050. So we need to we need to, them to learn about agriculture. For biology and environmental science teacher Ron Brody, learning about agriculture helps us remember where it all started. He also says gaining knowledge in agriculture around other educators is impactful. Bring us back to a, a reality in which many people have forgotten about. Um, it's calming, it's grounding to know where your food comes from. It's calming and grounding and it's actually spiritual to just be around folks like this who are sharing information. For Denise, the engagement from the attendees makes it more special. They're coming to me, asking me questions, wanting to come back. And so it's awesome. It's really, truly awesome. If you're a student or teacher interested in learning more about agriculture, you can visit our website at twilighttv.org for more information on Ag in the Classroom. You know, Kristen, it was super fun, great experience, but the only thing, like you said earlier, it was just super hot. <laughs> I was about to say, anywhere I think you go in, anywhere in the United States right now, it's super hot. But I bet it was great to see, even though it was hot, those teachers out there yes. learning a lot. Yes, and it was my first day out in the field, so while they were learning, I was learning too. So. That's great to hear, and thank you so much, Trevor Williams, for bringing us such a great story. Thank you, thank you. Well, still to come on Twyla, we head to the farm at Southern University Ag Center for a brand new Feasting on Agriculture. Stay with us. I'm Avery Davidson. On this edition of Feasting on Agriculture, we're here at the Southern University Agricultural Center Research Station just north of Baton Rouge, where we're going to learn about sun beef. It's an important thing for the state and for the education of students here. And we're going to see how it tastes. Feasting on Agriculture is brought to you by the Louisiana Crawfish Promotion and Research Board, 
Louisiana crawfish. Ask before you eat. And by the Louisiana Beef Industry Council. Beef, it's what's for dinner. And by the Louisiana Rice Promotion Board. Think rice. Joining me now is Dr. Pat Bagley. He is the director of the Cattle Research Institute here at the Southern University Ag Center. And Dr. Bagley, tell me a little bit about Sun Beef. What is this? And uh, I'm looking forward to trying it in a little bit. Good, you'll get a good chance to do that. Sun Beef stands for Southern University Natural Beef. We're here at the research farm, and this is where the cow-calf operation is, the stocking operation is, the finishing operation is. We serve most of this beef on, on the university campus, so this is what the students at Southern University will consume most of the time as it's available. So I like to tell them when they eat beef on the Southern University campus, that's the farthest it's ever been from its mama in its entire life because they're bred here, born here, raised here, weaned here, backgrounded here, finished here, taken to the meat slab and processed here, and then they finally get to the university cafeteria where they get consumed. One of the interesting things about this, we've got other private interests that have already approached us to be mm. to sell beef to them so they can have a locally uh, processed locally grown product that everybody knows where it came from where it's its richness its fulfillment all those kind of things uh, that you'd like to see in a beef product because everybody wants to know where their beef comes from these days yeah we always talk about louisiana beef eating louisiana beef it doesn't get more louisiana than this does it it can't be it's right here in the baton rouge area and within a quarter of a mile of where you and i are standing right now is the whole entire process right here so is that the uh, we'll see the steers that they're the ones that are ready for harvest right now they're up at 1350 1400 pounds they should all grade choice. Back, we all one of the other camera shots we'll have is the next year's uh, Sunbee product. Those are all about 650 to 700 pounds, and they'll go and feed here pretty soon. But then on the back pasture is all a cow-calf operation where those baby calves are actually being born and raised right now, and they'll be weaned in another couple of months. This is also a lot of work, not just for you, but for the students. How important is it to have a teaching operation like this for these students to work with? It is. They get to come in here and see firsthand the kind of things going on. And it's also a great learning experience. One of the things, the, the Sun Beef is the tail end of what we started this process. It started as a cow-calf product. And what happens is, what we've learned is, in the first 24 hours of a baby calf's life, different from humans, uh, because humans transfer antibiotics from mother to the to the fetus while the mother while the baby's in utero. Cows, though, they have to they have to nurse the colostrum within the first 24 hours of life, or they are they do not have the immunity that uh, all their other animals have. So it's critical that the first 24 hours of life, these baby calves get a good dose of colostrum from their mothers. Mm -hmm. It protects them from any disease that the mother has had. So that gets them for, for about the first three months of their life until they can develop their own immunity. What we've also seen, though, is that part of the study is, is different nutrition levels on the cow. We've got, there's some studies out there that show the first trimester, three months when a cow is pregnant, is when in the developing fetus, all the fat cells are formed. Mm. We also find that the first 60 days that calf is alive from day one after it's got colostrum to day 60, you want those, particularly the females, to gain as quickly as they can. You'd like those must be milking well, which is part of what this experiment is, that the cows milk extremely well. It makes the calves grow, and in a dairy experiment, they found out in, if I, every extra pound I put on the first 60 days, they milk 1,200 pounds more their entire life. So I affect the steers because it changed the marbling and the eventual carcass characteristics, and it forever changes those heifers, that they're much better cows and raise much better calves simply because they milk more because we treated them better and better that first 60 days of life. So it's critical how we treat those cows early on. 
And a lot of this information is available. You guys produced a book, about 15,000 copies that y'all yeah. have given out already. Yes, yes. And then y'all are working on getting a digital copy so that yes. you know, we can share that with our viewers as well. Great. And here's a copy of our book. Okay. We have, uh, again, we've had about 15,000 of these copies out. We've almost run out of the entire supply. We're in the process of putting that online. And what we'll do is let Farm Bureau know where that is so they can, you can let your audience know how to access online. Well, Dr. Bagley, you've spent your entire career working with agriculture, working with cattle. Why do you do it? What do you love about this industry oh, so gosh. much? Oh uh, gosh, the whole thing. I was born and raised on a beef farm and a dairy farm. And if uh, we, you know, I, we left the, we left our beds at 4.30 in the morning every day of my life, Christmas day, New Year's day. I told my daddy once I got to college, well, I wanted to be in beef cattle side so I could take Christmas off. It's been a rewarding career and I love it uh, from the standpoint. And I love the final product, this Sun Beef. I think we're gonna have a great product for a lot of people in the consuming public. We're trying to get a board to, together to dictate policy and those kind of things and take this on a step-by-step -step basis to start first with Southern University campus students, then go to maybe this big hospital that wants us to produce something. The nice thing about it is it puts more money in the pockets of our farmers who spend money locally and help with city governments, county governments, and those kind of things. Well, we're glad that you're helping out the folks here at Southern University, but I think, Dr. Bagley, we need to help ourselves to a little bit of this sun beef. So, there we go. So Good. coming up after the break, we're gonna see how sun beef tastes. Stay with us. with us here on Feasting on Agriculture. Joining me now is Curtis Chisley. He is the manager of the Meat Lab here at Southern University. And we're in one of the classrooms where some of the students learn about processing meat. You're right. And I understand there are gonna be some changes here too. Yes, this facility was built in 1982. And uh, we are currently in the process of increasing the size and the space of it, mm -hmm. about 6,000 square feet. So lots of exciting things ahead. Why don't you give us a quick tour? Okay, right here. All right, so where are we now, Mr. Chisholm? We're at the uh, processing area within the Southern University Meat Lab. We have two rooms. We harvest animals and we also process. Okay. Here is an example of Sun Beef hamburgers. We have 80-20 hamburger in two pound packages. Mm -hmm. And we also have a 90-10. You can see it's a little bit more leaner, a little bit redder than the 80-20. Okay. We also do roast and steaks that come from the beef carcass. Okay, so where do those go? Those go to uh, local, uh, the people that's on campus, the employees, the staff, they, we sell that to those uh, folks. So it's from Conception to consumption, all right here. Yes, I, I normally say table to uh, from 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 farm to table, uh -huh. uh, but just the same thing. <laughs> it's all the same thing. So, what really sets the sun beef apart from other beef, in your opinion? In my opinion, it's because most hamburger is made from commercial and utility animals. Here at Southern University, when we harvest the animals, they are steers and heifers. They are the young animals. So our hamburger comes from young animals and most hamburger come from older animals. So that makes it a little more tender. Then. That makes it a little bit more tender, a little bit more colorful, but they all look the same once you cook it. <laughs> well, we're gonna see some finished product at the end of this tour. What's right. next? 
Oh, uh, we're gonna go out and see some smoked uh, sausage that we made from some beef. Oh, I wanna try that. Let's go. So this is where we're gonna learn how some beef tastes, Please. right? Right, right. This is a, a smoker that we have, a rotisserie, rotisserie smoker. Okay, so what does it do? What it does is, while the meat is smoking and cooking, it rotates inside this chamber. Mm -hmm. The front of the uh, smoker is a, a wood box that burns the wood, that smokes the wood, that, so we can smoke the meat. And once this goes around, I'll show you a picture of what we have for you to taste today. So it's like a meat Ferris wheel. That's, That's what right. I'm looking at here. There and I see what's coming around. That Stop looks it. good. Stop that looks it. really good. good. What's the recipe for the sausage? What, what, what kind of makeup you got there? Well, we got a spices, beef, and we put w water and spices in it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a beef sausage spice mix. So you just ha happen to have a pair of tongs in your pocket. Uh, that's thank right. Thankfully. <laughs> so uh, let's get in there, let's try this. Okay. Let's see that one right yeah, there. Right, of course, right. I'm gonna note so, that he picked up the smallest one. The, the most tiny one in there. Apparently, Mr. Chisley doesn't think I can handle, you know, a larger piece of beef, but we're gonna see how the sun beef tastes right now. Mmm, that's tender. Tender and juicy. And yeah, exactly. So did you use the the 90-10 or the 85-15 uh, with this? Uh, probably the 80-20. Mm, 80-20, yeah. Mm. So like, even, mm, higher fat Fair content. content. It's got a really good flavor. That spice mix you use, use. it's got a good back right. of the throat hit. Right. Little this, pepper in it. Yeah, this is really, really good. I am so impressed. Thank you. And to think this is the farthest that cow has traveled. From his mother. Unbelievable. Well, Mr. Chisley, thank you so much. Well, you're I, welcome. I appreciate you having me here at Southern University. Good. If you'd like to learn more about the Southern University Ag Center, the Meat Lab, or Sun Beef, you can visit our website at twilatv.org. I'm Avery Davidson. This is Feasting on Agriculture. We'll see you next time. Feasting on Agriculture was brought to you by the Louisiana Crawfish Promotion and Research Board, Louisiana Crawfish, ask before you eat. And by the Louisiana Beef Industry Council, beef, it's what's for dinner. And by the Louisiana Rice Promotion Board, think rice. If you're a loyal viewer of our show, you already know that we end each show with the Twyla Boost, a special story guaranteed to make you smile before we say goodbye. And this week's boost comes from right here on this set. Now don't worry, it's not a highlight reel of Avery Davidson's dad jokes, we don't have enough time for that. But it is a highlight reel for two future ag reporters. Sophia and Adeline Neal stopped by our studio earlier this week and made themselves right at home. Testing, testing, mic check, mic check, one, two, one, two. Do I start? And it's the bay on weather. Good morning, I'm Sophia Jesse Neal, and I am here today to tell you some facts about sugarcane. Hello, my name is Addie Neal, and today I'll be telling you about the weather. Today will be sunny and 95 degrees Fahrenheit. It will be very hot today, and stay hydrated. Did you know that over 19,000 jobs have to do with sugarcane? And this show is also made from the help of Mr. Matt and Mr. Harvey. That's all for now. Hope you have a good day and goodbye. From the Farm Borough of, in, in Louisiana. So I hope you have a wonderful summer.
Now, how cute was that? We hope you enjoyed our guest reporters as much as we did. I just hope it doesn't leave Avery and I without jobs. Something to think about. That does it for this edition of Twyla. Be sure to join us next week when we'll show you how rice harvest is shaping up in southwest Louisiana. Until then, you can watch all of our stories online at twylatv.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For all of us here at Twyla, thanks for joining us. We hope to see you again right here next week. If you would like to watch the video form of this episode of Twyla, head over to our website at twylatv.org. You can also find all the information related to all the different stories in this episode at that website. Again, that's twilatv.org. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show.